0: So we're doing a one-part message today called The Best Year Ever, um, and like I said earlier, my name is Taylor. I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to preach uh, alongside a group of people, which has been really fun. It's something we started last year. Uh, it's been really encouraging. Some of us are pastors, and we're, we're in the process of becoming pastors. Some of uh, these wonderful people are just uh, lay leaders within the church, um, just feeling God's call um, to share some good news. Uh, and this month, um, Stephanie and I are tag-teaming the message um, that Stephanie right there. If if you haven't met her, she's my wife. And so we're prepping these messages together all month long. (sighs) And um, it is going to be a month. And uh, we are very grateful that there's a marriage retreat at the beginning of February. <laughs> uh, it's going pretty well. She's probably driving down here right now watching online. So, hey. Anyways, um, okay, so let me tell you about the best year ever now that I set myself up for such success. Um, I'm going to change a little bit on what I wrote on my notes. Uh, so if, if I get lost, just bear with me. Um, because um, as I think where this message um, kind of came from was um, Stephanie and I kind of processing the last couple weeks, because it's been an interesting couple of weeks, um, and maybe some of you can relate to some of these experiences. If not, in the last couple weeks, certainly over your life. Um, you may not have the pastor experience, but that that's okay. You're not missing out on much. But uh, uh, Christmas is not generally, when you're a pastor, the least stressful time of year, right? It, it is a build-up to a big finish with Christmas Eve, and it was a little different because we had two locations this year, and we had a lot going on, and we have a lot going on in December as a church, so there was a lot of stress that was building up, and then it just stops, like Christmas Eve day is done, and it just The breaks hit, and we spend time together as a family. And so we spent Christmas Day together. Then the next day, we traveled up to my parents. And the next day, we traveled up um, to spend a week uh, with Steph's family up in Minnesota at an Airbnb that we rent just so we can all be together for uh, about a week. Uh, And so that was really good. It was very relaxing, and hopefully you guys had some of that time as well. Uh, And then... um, See, it'd be Wednesday last week. I had doctor's appointment because I just have some uh, stuff going on with my stomach and stuff. It's not a huge deal, but, you know, I got to go in. They're going to stick a scope down my throat, and that's super enjoyable. I'm looking forward to that. Um, They decided that they should probably put me completely under because sometimes if they don't, then as a bigger guy, you can uh, start choking on it. And then you fight back, and then they can't really control you. I'm like, well, this is really dark. Um, So there's that. Uh, And then on Thursday, and I'm not trying to be a super Debbie Downer here, but my cousin passed away, and so he was 30 years old, and they don't have uh, a good understanding of what happened, Um, so we were at his funeral, and uh, that was really difficult, you know, to see my aunt and uncle uh, losing a child um, so young would be so painful. Um, and to see my grandma, who uh, is my last remaining grandparent, uh, the grief she had and the degree at which that grief was affecting her to the point where, you know, she was introducing Stephanie to my uncle as if they had never met. And I'm like, we've been together for 13 years um, and uh, celebrating our 10-year wedding anniversary this year. and um, you know, But what, how grief can impact someone was was very dramatic, and Stephanie and I were reflecting on everything, and and you know, um, and I'll talk about this in a little bit. But uh, you know, as a as a Christian, and I realized that not may not be where you are right now, and that's totally okay. Uh, but you know, from a Christian perspective, you know there is hope even in death, and so um, for. I think over this last year, I've just um, come to look at death a lot differently than I even have before in in my walk with Christ. And so I I didn't terribly grieve um, my cousin's passing, but I did profoundly uh, feel the depth and anguish uh, that my my family was feeling and that um, my parents, uh, my mom especially, was feeling and um, my aunt and uncle were feeling, and, and of course my grandma was feeling. And, and so that was heavy. And so then, then you got all that, and you're going into this context of looking at, hey, how can we help so that you have the best year ever? And it's like, okay, you know, that's a, that's a lot of background going on and then talking about, hey, how can you have the best year ever? But, you know, as I I reflected upon it, I kind of thought about what you all have experienced in your life, probably in 2023, and if not, let's be honest, the uh, entirety of your life, where you have had uh, moments of profound grief, you have had uh, moments of witnessing other people's profound grief. You've had moments, uh, certainly, of medical situations that have caught you off guard and have have brought you maybe some concern and uncertainty, especially when you're waiting in between procedures. You know, should I, should I really push for something? Should I be more aggressive? Is it okay? Am I getting in my own head, you know, and being a little, uh, you know, thinking of the worst case scenario, those kinds of things. And then you also have the good parts about life, the parts where you actually can rest and the actual times you can have fun and, and laugh with one another and, and have joy together. And and that is what can happen in a year. And then on top of all of that, then you get to see what other people are going through too. Um, I, I don't know about you, but especially around the Christmas time, and I am not judging at all. This sounds kind of judgmental. I really don't mean it that way. I just I was reflecting on it, is when you scroll through Facebook, you scroll through Instagram, or whatever social media you use, or maybe you don't, so you don't have to have this kind of experience, but everybody's so happy on Christmas, you know, and there's so many pictures of everybody's family, and everybody's smiling, and I don't know about you all, but I sit there, and I'm like, getting all of our three girls to sit in one space and smile I was, so I I was like, let's just skim through my pictures. So I was skimming through my pictures, seeing if I could find one. And there was one. And this was, this was pretty good. You know, it's pretty good because they're mostly clothed and they're happy. And that is a unique thing in our household. And then the next uh, moment, you know, then it turns into weird faces and, oh, we got to open our present. And um, and, and so then I started feeling this pressure like maybe I needed to post on social media something, you know. Or as you guys look at those posts, then as New Year's rolls around, then people start reflecting about their year. Or they start talking about their next year and the goals that they have and the things that are coming up in their life. And, right? and they start to talk about those things. And, and I then start to think about, well, should I make a post about what's going on in my life? And I'm not a huge Facebook or social media poster in general. Some of you may know that. If, if you follow me on, on social media, I don't do a lot of it. I do a lot of church posts, um, but I don't do much um, personally. And um, and so then I felt that pressure of, you know, what's going on in my life? And so you start looking back at your life. And, and, and um, I actually I started going through my pictures of the year to try to remind myself what had happened in this past year. And then your mind goes from past to future. You know, how can I help for this year to go well, how can I help to have this coming year go well, considering what I know can happen in a year, right? I mean, because that's the backdrop. You know, when you lose someone um, unexpectedly or or you have something that comes up unexpectedly financially or health-wise or what, relationally, whatever that may be, then you realize that that could be what happens in 2024. As much as you want to plan and as many goals as you want to make for yourself, you don't know exactly what's going to happen do you and so i don't know about you but but here was my point of the start of this message was i was just left and i think stephanie was too at this kind of crossroads starting a new year with like wow that's that's a lot you know and it's a lot when it leads into the new year and it makes you look at the year ahead and say gosh what what is there if any way that you could have or 2024 could be the best year ever for you. And then Stephanie was going through and kind of, you know, prepping for this message and Um, And so she had, she kind of came around this, this scripture and I had had in my idea, uh, my head, and and this is the challenge of like working together (laughs) is like, I have an idea of where I want to go scripturally with this message, you know, and I've been praying on it, working on it. And then she has an idea of where she wants to go scripturally and then you have to come together. And so now you're married and you're both praying and trying to hear from the Lord. And then you're supposed to bring that all together and not get angry at each other and (laughs) and get get along, okay? What's the best way to make the best year starting message, you know? Like, it's it, it just, it's interesting. So anyway, so I heard the scripture as she read it out loud to me, which is, was a really unique experience, because usually when I'm prepping a message, I just, I just um, you know, look online, or I'm reading my Bible, and I just pray on that, and I just spend time with it. But In a message preparation, to have someone then read scripture to me um, to kind of tee me up for what we're going to talk about was a very, um, very unique experience that I'm still trying to process a little bit. But as she said it, I was like, this is perfect. And I told her that at the end of her sharing what she thought we should talk about in the message. And I just said, I think God would be very honored with what you have to say. And so um, I thought what I would do is I'm just going to read you this bit of scripture, and then I'm going to um, and then we 're going to work through it a little bit together today, um, but the reason that this stood out to me so much um, was because the question that I was that we were thinking about is um, h- how you have the best year ever is really a matter of how you measure what the best year ever is. you know like how do you measure we 've talked about this before a lot, but how do you measure success or how do you measure what the best year yet is going to look like because I mean The reality is this year could have tragedy in store for you, you know, at some point. And at which point then do you look back and say, well, then it's simply the rest of the year is just going to be one of the worst years. There's no possibility that this year, even in tragedy, that this could be a great year. This could be the best year ever. Well, it really depends on how you measure it. Is is you know your success or lack of success in job or your education or in your family or in your relationships or in your dating life? Are those the things that are gonna measure the success of 2024? Measure the, the greatness of 2024. For you. And then also, as you're thinking about this, thinking about what it is, because I'm guessing you have one or two things that it, pop immediately into mind like, hey, if I accomplish this or this is done by 2024, if I lose this weight or I take better care of myself or I sleep more, then 2024 is going to be better. How are you going to contend with that when things don't go well, when things don't go as you planned? If that is the mark of the best year yet and you don't meet it, then is that year, this year, a loss? Is this a bad year? And what if I told you that I think there is a world in which, a life in which you can live where it is the best year in spite of just about anything? It doesn't mean that you won't be without suffering. It doesn't mean you won't be without hardship. It also doesn't mean you won't be without joy and happiness, and peace, and mercy, but what do you do? How do you measure it? As you think about your year, how are you going to measure it? So that brought me to the scripture, that as Stephanie read it, I, I thought, well, this is a great measure because that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Now, just a little intro on Paul before I read you this, this bit of Scripture. He's, um, at this point in his life, um, things are not great. Okay? You could very much um, argue that uh, he is at a low point. Um, He is in prison, he is in a Roman prison, and there are not necessarily any rules around how you treat prisoners, okay, in those days, right? These days, you know, we're going to make sure people get fed, we're going to make sure people have uh, some degree of cleanliness in their cell, but there is not necessarily any sorts of guarantees, a flushable toilet for that matter. There is no such guarantees in Paul's world at this point. And he is able, though, um, through um, visitors, um, much like they are today, to, for prisoners to write letters. And so he wrote letters even while he was in prison. And some of those letters were um, not only received and uh, were copied, but then were copied and copied and copied and shared and shared and shared. And they were, through that process, allowed to survive uh, antiquity. And we have them today. And then we took a lot of those letters and we put them together and we, um, along with other letters and other um, documents um, around Jesus, and we made, put together, and as Christians, put together the New Testament. So anyways, he's um, in prison. He's writing a letter to the church in Philippi, uh, which is in modern-day Greece. And the church is going to be something about this size, if not smaller. Um, Or maybe you're a church, and you're a church, and you're a church, and you're a church over here. And then online, you guys are a church. And then you'd get the letter over here, and you'd read it, and you'd celebrate it, and and then you'd pass it to your other neighbor uh, at their church, and you pass it, and you pass it around. And we all together would be considered the church in Philippi. And more than likely, this was probably about the size of the church in Philippi. Maybe it was twice as big, but it wasn't like most of these churches were not massive. But he wrote this message, okay? And here's how he starts it, and then I'm going to read you the rest of it, and then we'll go through it one line at a time. He starts off with, what you're looking at right here, is that social media post. And it's the post that says, I'm doing good, okay? Things are good in my life, and it's the posts that you read and you look at them and you're like, why well, you kind of get a little braggadocious there, don't you think? You know, like you, you could kind of tone it down a little bit. There's a little pride in the words you're saying. And it's the kind of posts where you read it and then you feel pressure to post because there's a little bit of competition going on, Right. And, you know, you got to compete with with the Joneses. you got to keep up with the Joneses, okay? And so that's where he starts. He says, if anyone has a reason to be confident in the flesh, and by flesh he means in the worldly things of this life, in your personal accomplishments, I have more. Ooh, he has more. He was circumcised on the eighth day, and it's like, well, in this today context, you're probably like, that's not a huge accomplishment, but... Okay, Paul. But essentially his point is he is a great Jew. He was a phenomenal Jewish religious man. In Jewish culture in those days, he was a top leader. He was a great, pious person. He did everything he was supposed to do. He checked all the boxes and then some, okay? If you were a Jewish mother and your son was Paul, you would be so proud of him, okay? He was circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. So he's pretty posh group there. A Hebrew, born of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, okay, you remember those, they kind of had run-ins with Jesus, okay, so he was a religious leader, and as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, he finds out about this sect of uh, people called um, people of the way, in other words, they were Christians, they followed Jesus, and he said, not on my watch, these are um, heretics, these are not good Jewish people, they're people who believed, they were Jews who believed in Jesus, and he's like, not on my watch. So he went out and he persecuted them. He was righteous under the law. He was blameless. I mean, he put, he got people put to death. He got people put into prison, all this stuff. And he's bragging about it because he said, if I, if you measured me as a good religious Jewish person, I was awesome. That's how my life was. How was yours? Okay. So he makes that post about here's how my life is going. And then he takes all of it And he pretty much just throws it all in the trash. He says, all of this, worthless, worthless. Yet whatever gains I had, he says, these I have come to regard as loss, as nothing, as trash, as rubbish. These are worthless because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things. I regard them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having righteous of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ. The righteous from God based on faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in his death. If somehow I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Okay, so let's back up. Okay, we're going to back all the way up to verse whatever that is, the start of that. Um, Sorry, I'm making AJ work really hard here. Um, Right here. Yeah. Okay, what does he mean by all of this? More than that, I regard everything, all that he just posted about in his year-end post on social media, he, re- he regards it as a loss. Why? Because in comparison to the value of knowing Jesus, it's nothing. It's nothing. It's so high. I can't even reach how high. It just pales in comparison to everything else. There's just no comparison. To what? Knowing Jesus. In other words, having a relationship with Jesus. Getting to know someone. In other words, it's as if you were walking along one day, and then you met someone, and boy, they were pretty good looking. And then you got to know that someone, and they made your heart a flutter. And then you started dating that person, and you're like, oh, they're pretty amazing. And then you're like, they make me feel something I've never felt before. And I need to marry this person. Some of you, you got to think back a few years, okay? That was when you were dating, okay? That's why you need to go to the marriage retreat, okay? And then, and then, and they made you feel something that no other person had made you feel before. And it felt like every other relationship just didn't matter in comparison to meeting this person. And they were the one. And nothing else mattered. Or you got that job, and it was such an incredible job that no other job mattered because that was your dream job, at least until you met your boss and then you realized, this is going to be hard, okay, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, you had those moments where it was so good. And Paul said, when I knew Christ, everything changed. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all of those things. Because it hasn't been easy. A lot of people have looked at me and said, Paul, you're crazy. And I've lost a lot of relationships over knowing Jesus. But I'm telling you, just knowing Jesus was, is worth so much more than all of that. I regard those things as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And then be found by him. Next slide. Then be, and, and, and be found in him. Excuse me. That I am with him and he is with me. Like we are in a relationship together. Not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Christ. That one that comes not because I checked all those boxes, but because I had a relationship. Not because I was a great, perfect, religious, pious person, but because of who I knew. And who knew me. And that righteousness isn't because of what I've done, but because of who I've known. It comes from God Based on faith. And I want to, he goes on, I want to know Christ. He he keeps reiterating this. I want a relationship and the power of his resurrection and sharing in his suffering by becoming like him in his death, if somehow I may maintain resurrection from the dead. In other words, he sets up so much. He's saying, he's addressing the fact that he's in prison. He says, hey, this may not lead to a very good ending for me, right? Which eventually it didn't. He was executed for his faith, taken out of prison, and he was executed. He said, "No matter how this ends, I can have hope. Why? Because Jesus didn't even get held back by death. I have a relationship with someone whose death was not even the end. And what that does, my friends, when you ha- and what that did for new Christians." At the beginning, uh, when the church first began, Christians just didn't fear death. And it allowed them to do such incredible things. They would go in and care for the sick when everyone else would run away. A plague would strike. The Christians would stay. The Christians would help the sick. They would feed those in need. And everyone else would run away. The people ran away, spread the plague everywhere else. And the Christians suffered so that they may love their Neighbor. And it began to start this whole idea of like healthcare and public healthcare and hospitals, and where other people would throw children away. Christians would say, You know what? Death is not the end. I am not afraid to give my life to help other children. And sometimes those Christians certainly did, but it's because they knew death wasn't the end, and it brought such meaning and significance to the world. People saw how these Christians loved and it just transformed how they saw the world. I'm guessing some of those Christians, if you've gone up to them and said, hey, is this the best year yet? As they're caring for the plagued individuals in their community, they'd say, this is not ideal. This is not enjoyable. This is not what I would want to do with my life, but I am okay because why I know Christ. I know Christ. And he says, "I." And, and then Paul goes on. He says, "Not that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to lay hold of that which is for uh, that for which Christ has laid hold for me." In other words, I'm still pursuing this. This is a relationship, and relationships grow. Relationships grow, and so I'm not done growing in my relationship with Jesus. And I, Taylor, personally, would say too, I am not done growing in my relationship with Christ. But that relationship has been the thing that has helped me to navigate all of these situations. I could sit in a funeral and still have hope. I could sit in a funeral and still have joy. I mean, a month before this, my grandma, uh, my other grandma, passed away. And I could... Confidently stand up in that pulpit, and you guys know this, I'm not great at not crying, um, but I could confidently, as I got through what I was going to say, know that her hope and her joy had brought her to a place where she is with Jesus, and she could have peace in that. Because as she said, every day, every week, she would walk with Jesus. And I said, what does that mean? She said, every day when I go into church, I just walk with Jesus into church. And I said, sometimes, I'm going to be honest with you, Grandma, I don't walk with Jesus into church. I walk with three screaming children into (laughs) church. I walk with knowing I'm going to, you know, get asked to fix a bunch of things because things aren't working when I go into church. But there's a lot of times I don't walk with Jesus, and that really humbled me. But what she knew allowed her to have peace with the situation that she was in, and it can for you too. And in that, in that, I think you and I can have the best year ever. It's not in the thing that you will do, but in the relationship that you have or are beginning to have or may decide today to have with your heavenly Father. I want to real quick introduce you to Jerry. Um, Jerry is up at our Cedar Rapids location. um, And Jerry has just absolutely been a real blessing to have In that um, church, and I've enjoyed getting to know him over the last uh, year. Um, In I think it was I might get this timeline wrong, uh, but essentially um, he was diagnosed with cancer. In he's going to say it in the video, but I think September or something. And I just wanted to add context because in his humility, I don't think he like shared the full breadth of the situation. And I think he was diagnosed in September um and because uh, he was getting so sick and a month before that um excuse me he was diagnosed with stage four bladder cancer it had spread from the bladder to his hip bones and to his liver yeah, he was given two weeks to live and a month before that he had had bladder surgery and a month before that they had gone in and fixed his bladder and there was zero cancer And a month later, stage four, you have two weeks. Now, you can approach that in a lot of different ways. And I pray that is not what happens to us or any of us in 2024. But I don't think Jerry was planning on it in 2023. But how Jerry approached it was profound. And that's what I want you to hear in his story. Because I think a lot of us could have a lot of anger. And a lot of anger, if we believe in God, a lot of anger directed towards God of God, how in the world could you let this happen? Okay, so I'm going to let Jerry share the rest of his story as you take a look at this.
1: Good morning, my name is Jerry Potter. And I had a recent experience that was, came totally unexpected. Uh, Mary and I were at St. Luke's Hospital on September 9th, and I was diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer that had hit several parts of my body. Um, It was surprising, but it it wasn't devastating. Uh, The Lord gave Mary and I such a peace about this journey that He would take us on. Um, And I'll be honest, I I prayed to the Lord and said, Lord, this is a little disappointing, but I trust you, I trust you completely. And I was able to just relax in whatever the Lord wanted our journey to be um my first meeting with the oncologist he said oh, probably about two weeks and that was disappointing too but again i said lord whatever you want i trust you completely i have i have things that i have had plans that i wanted to engage in i wanted ministry that i wanted to engage in things with my children my grandchildren but i just have the little picture and god you have the big picture so i trust you completely so whatever you want since that time uh, i had a mighty army of prayer warriors that have stood behind us that have supported um, i had so many people beyond what i could possibly give a number to that were praying for us and, and the cards the letters the phone calls the text uh, god is so good and has blessed us with such wonderful friends and support one of the tremendous blessings that i've seen out of this circumstance, our, our, our journey, is the, the spiritual growth that I've seen in those around me. Um, people who are taking prayer to a whole new level um, and one gentleman that told us that he was praying for us, uh, I got to visit with him the other day. He did not know the plan of salvation, now he does, and now he's a child of the king. And there. so there are, there are side benefits. I, benefits is a trite word, but uh, they're, they're, God is using our circumstance and uh, to grow people in his kingdom, and I love that. And my last, my, my next serious meeting with the oncologist was on October 31st. He walked in the room, he was all smiles, and he said, you are very surprising. And long story short, my diagnosis has turned around. I have strength. I unfortunately got most of my weight put back on and uh, healing is taking place and uh, I'm far exceeding any expectation that they had. And I just want to praise the Lord and just want to thank him not only for healing but for that peace, the passion of all understanding that he has given us. And I, I, I just love him so much.
0: So here's my question <clears throat> to you. How will you measure 2024? Um, because if you measure it by your health, you also know that that health can change. If you measure it by the relationships that you have, Um, I think that's a good start. I mean, if you're not a follower of Jesus, like I would recommend that that is a good place to start because relationships can help weather storms. Uh, Relationships can be there to celebrate the bright spots. Relationships um, can be there um, when you need someone to walk with you, talk with you. Um, There's a reason that Jesus said one of the greatest commandments is to love your neighbor. Um, But you also know that those can be challenging. Um, And and no matter how we invest, sometimes those are very difficult. Um, But uh, to me, one of the best ways you could as a follower, not a follower of Jesus, is through the relationships that you have and the quality and the direction of the relationships you have around you um, to help make this upcoming year a good year. But you also know the other options like your job or your financial situation, those can all change very dramatically. So how will you measure 2024, because my prayer is for all of you, Jesus follower or not, is that you would seriously consider, reconsider, or reinvest, or continue to take those steps forward as you've been taking them and getting to know, as Paul said, to know Jesus to get to know him, that that is a relationship, that when you open this, you realize it is a story, it is God's story, but it's a story primarily, almost entirely about relationship, a relationship with you and those around you and how to lead that, or, um, you know, as Brian said, a relationship with your spouse, but more importantly, a relationship with your heavenly father, Um, that when you have those relationships, they're the things, he is the thing that will help you to get through no matter what happens. So at the end of every year, for that matter, you can say, this is the best year yet. Why? Because I got to know God better. And he was there, and he helped me navigate even the most unexpected of trials. And he was there to celebrate and smile at even the greatest moments I think it's so incredible to hear how Jerry has taken this opportunity to talk with people who would never talk to him about faith. Uh, in other words, that one gentleman that he was talking to would always avoid that conversation with Jerry. And if you ever talked to Jerry, he loves to talk about Jesus. And so it's really hard, you know, it's, if you're not a Christian, because I was there at one point, you know, and I got around people who'd love to talk about Jesus, I'm like, Ugh, you're a little too much for me, okay? Um, now I'm all good <laughs> with that, but, but at that time, and I totally understand that, um, but he said, I what, what that um, gentleman said to him was, I'm not much of a prayer prayer, but I will pray for you, Jerry, because Jerry was their neighbors, and, and uh, he said thank you, and it opened the door to a conversation that helped this, this man to let his barriers down that he had been holding up against the love of God for so long. Um, my hope for you in 2024, and we're going to do our best as a church to help you to do that, but to come to the place where you, are, you know that you are loved by the Father, You are led by Jesus, his son, and you are filled with his Holy Spirit, that you are loved by the Father, that you know your worth, your value, your forgiveness, your past wrongs are taken care of by your Father. And you know every decision that you have as you move forward through your life is led by Jesus the Son. You, through Jesus, have purpose and direction and a value system for how you should live your life because you have let him teach you and guide you. And when you give, when you work, when you serve one another, you do so because he is your king and he is leading you And that finally, and we're going to talk more about this over the next couple of weeks, that you would come to a place where you are filled by the Holy Spirit, where you have and are strengthened by and have hope and peace that passes all understanding because his presence fills your heart and it brings a warmth to your heart that you could not, it passes understanding. You can't describe it. It is not normal. It is not natural. It is supernatural. And I pray that for you because I think when that happens, actually, I know when that happens, that you will have the best year yet, really no matter what happens. So if you would right now, close your eyes. And as we end today, um, Stephanie did it up in Cedar Rapids. We're going to do it here. It's a little different than what we normally do during a prayer. But with every eye closed, if you can online, unless you're driving or back in the production booth, you can take your hands off the councils. Don't worry about them. They're fine. Um, our greeters, all of you who are just listening, you just close your eyes and just be present for a second. And uh, I would invite you to take a posture of invitation or receiving. Um, and that, if you've been around churches or various types of churches, can look a lot of different, uh, a lot different. Um, Some people like to raise their hands. Some people like to hold their hands up as if, you know, um, accepting a gift or uh, about to hold something. Or maybe you just have to unfold your arms and put them by your sides or unclench your fists if you're feeling a little defensive. But you would just, in this moment, with all eyes closed, including mine, you would just take a posture of receiving to start the year. And that I would, would just have a second to, on the Lord's behalf, pray a blessing over you. And that you would, in this moment, Christian or not, be willing to receive it. That in 2024 would be a year that you experience a peace that passes all understanding that in 2024, you could walk by still waters, that you in 2024 can walk even through the the valley of the shadow of death. In 2024, you would not fear, you would be able to do all of those things because of him who gives you strength. And that in 2024, you would receive and be filled with daily the Holy Spirit. And His Spirit would bring you warmth and joy and peace and a calmness that passes the understanding of what is normally happening in your life. And that in 2024, if you have not already, you would come to know the love of your heavenly father or that love would be rekindled again that in 2024 you would experience peace and joy and kindness and mercy and forgiveness that there would not be a records of wrongs because you do not know the the, you, you will not know the love of the world instead you will know the love of the father And that in 2024 would be a year of abiding in your heavenly father that he would be in you and you would be in him that 2024 is a relationship that is so strong it could endure anything i pray in 2024 that the lord's face would shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And grant that peace, that peace that is God's shalom, that completeness, that wholeness that comes when we reside with and in him. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you that you have loved us. You love us now And you will love us as we move forward in our lives. Lord, thank you that in spite of the challenges and the uncertainty and the unknown, we do not need to fear. We do not need to worry. Because why? Because you said you are with us. Help us to receive your presence this year. Help us to take those steps we need to know you better. Help us to trust you better. Help 2024 to be the best year, not because of what happens, but because of who we know and who is in our lives. And let that begin with you. Lord, we thank you. For all that you have given us, whether we recognize it yet or not, help us to move forward with a heart of gratitude and give us the strength and the wisdom and the community and the people around us to live the life that is with and knowing you. In your name I pray, amen.